Welcome to the HB5 Podcast, where we talk about co-working, productivity, and building your future lifestyle. This is episode 12 for Monday, February 22nd, 2016. And sitting in the studio today, we've got Dieter. Hello. Tecto. Hey, hey. And Jay. Hi there. So we are sitting today because the standing desk from Ikea broke, and uh, so we are not doing our standing thing. It, it does go up, but only one One inch, inch at a time. Thank yeah. you, Ikea. For yeah. overachieving. Yeah. Yeah. Spend the extra $200 and uh, get a better desk. But it actually works out okay because we have these nice uh, leather couch and, and love seat. And excellent uh, boom boom arms for our boom mics. Boom arms so we can, yeah. So we're all very chillaxed right now. In fact, I, I may I may snap a selfie to include in the... Uh, yeah, this is the team. relaxed podcast. I am, yeah. I am seriously going to take a nap <laughs> during this podcast. <laughs> it's crazy. That sounds like a plan. This will be... Sleep hacking. Okay, we've got a it, so so. Listen to the camera shutter here. The recording of the shutter. Is it happening? Click. It, there it click. Is. There it is. Oh, I've got the I've got the audio. Turned I've on. always wondered on oh, the no, on the oh. on the iPhone is that a is that a real shutter? Well, I think it is. They, okay. they had about a thousand engineers uh, working on getting the shutter. Sound Johnny had right. to over weeks had to prove the sound. <laughs> I don't like right. the sound of that shutter. It's too brittle. It's Sounds I like that. Terrible. It's too, too much low end. <laughs> It, it sounds too much like a real shutter. Make an iPhone shutter. It's got to sound like an iPhone. Yeah. Anyway. It's got to sound like aluminium. Aluminium. Uh, so today we're talking about software development workflows. Um, and, and hopefully we're the only people that go to sleep, not the listeners. Yeah, seriously. Um, there's lots of good stuff to talk about. I don't want to scare people away who are not into software development because I think some of the workflow topics can apply to any type of project management uh, from that standpoint. But I can't promise much more than that. So this may be this may get a little geeky in the software side of things today. But um, but I, but I do think it's applicable. I think we can strike May from that sentence. I think it's definitely going to get geeky. But hopefully it will remain entertaining. Yeah, we'll try to keep it entertaining. Yeah, that might be hard. <laughs> but but if anybody can do it, we might. I'm, I'm, but but the relevance. I think, I think you're you're onto something there. The relevance of this topic. Um, to other types of projects is actually interesting because uh, the problem with software development is that estimating is not even an art. It's more of um, sophisticated guessing. Voodoo. Yeah, voodoo. And uh, too many people to count have died on the hill of attempting to hit timeframes and deadlines on software development projects because of the nature of software development. Uh, It's a little bit reminiscent of building a house and saying that you're going to get it done in three months. Yep. Um, because you forget all the all the things that are going to come up as surprises, and it's you know not going to be three months. So we'll have to put the uh, we'll have to put is related here. I have to put the Dilbert that came out today. Did you see where I posted that? I didn't see today's Dilbert. All right. So uh, let's see if I can let's see if I can find. Did I put it in <laughs> random? All right. Is so, what people tune in for? So there are <laughs> there are uh, two major umbrellas for. Um, Project management. Are you styles. gonna let me tell the Dilbert? Are you gonna? Oh, I thought you were just. No, no. Yeah, okay, go ahead, share. So, so this is applicable. <laughs> so Dilbert says the, the point of here, boss says, uh, when will you have that done? And Dilbert says two weeks. Which, by the way, we can get into two weeks is always a good answer for any developer. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and then the point of here, boss says, can you do it faster? And Dilbert said, yes. He says, all I need uh, to do is lower the quality. He says, tell me what your minimum acceptable quality level is, and I'll tell you when I can have it done. I want it in one week. I can do all of that in 50% of the planned quality. The point here, boss says, why does it feel like I'm not really managing anything here? 
And then Dilbert says, maybe you could go manage someone else now. And, he, and the, the point of her boss says, I can't tell if I'm doing my job now. And then Dilbert finally says, is it your job to prevent me from working? Wow. <laughs> and I think that sums up at least some of the dynamics of relationships in a development. In a, yes. in a poorly managed. Yeah, poorly managed. Development scenario. With terrible communications. Yes. Although they were they were communicating. Uh, I don't know, though. Sometimes um, attempting to manage software development is an awful lot like that because uh, unless the manager has actually written code, um, there's such a divide between what the developer deals with every day and what the manager begins to understand. And, yeah, what does 50% code quality even look like? You know, It sounds like 50% less than what you might want. Well, so. it, it, probably, it probably means it won't work. Yeah. Sounds yeah. pretty terrible. But you're halfway there. But you're halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> and which, which means that if you get fully there, that you might actually hit the estimate you first said. The two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. And, and I, so this goes in. You were about to start talking, Tecto, about the, uh, the some two buckets. Yeah. I, I didn't realize you were it. actually going to read the Dilbert. I was going to read live reading. But we did put a link in there so you can read it. It's a dramatic it, reading. It is a dramatic reading. It was. Yeah. I felt... It's good stuff. Maybe we can have a software development poetry slam on a, on a future episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we get lots of listeners. Yes. <laughs> Negative listeners. So what are <laughs> what are the two buckets? Uh, so the two extremes, I think, yeah. actually are waterfall and agile. Yep. Or two umbrellas that you can kind of uh, put project types under. Um, I don't know that uh, most projects can be truly said to be completely agile or completely waterfall. There are some, but. I have never heard anybody say anything more than we are agile-ish. Now, some people say they are agile and but, they use it. They use it to try to sell the stuff. But then, when you dig under the covers, you find out the they're, truth. They're agile. That they are agile. Always for agile-ish. Sure. Right. So you you want to be as agile as possible, right? Well, and that's what conventional wisdom tells us. It's, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like saying you know well, we, we have one hundred percent test coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah but of, what, of the tests we execute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are one hundred percent of the tests we have made. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> right. <laughs> so, so what is what, define waterfall? Then, before we get into well, the, the new classic example for me of waterfall is if you go back to flip phones before there were smartphones, so to speak, and uh, you know, Motorola decides to come out with a new flip phone, and they would nail down a feature set, and it would have to interact with you know GSM or CDMA networks, and they go through the entire spec and what the screens are going to look like and and what features ultimately make it, you know, into that, don't get cut. That's the spec, and it goes to, it's finalized, completely finalized, and it goes to software development. And um, software development works and works and works, and they hand the whole thing monolithically off to QA. And QA, you know, tests every single bit of it, hands it back to, uh, software development with bugs that they found and so on. And so you have these uh, wa- like multi-stage waterfalls. You know, it's, It goes to specification, then it goes to development, it goes to QA, and there's no pipelining. It's uh, you know, All of the, de- the specification has to be done before development begins. All of software development has to be complete before QA begins. All the QA has to be complete before release begins, so on. And so it's the longest way to develop in terms of time frame takes the longest and it's um the most rigid a lot of times uh classic failures on waterfall are that by the time the product is developed and shipped it's obsolete and irrelevant and nobody wants it um, because the market has already moved on or 
Um, the specification was so out of touch with what the customer's true needs were that by the time we ship it, it's uh, an albatross that nobody even recognizes um, as being anywhere close to what they wanted. Hey, I'm right here. Well, waterfall is not your fault <laughs> when you're the project manager. It's, I think, a, a business issue, um, You know, really understanding what it's going to take to deliver what the customer needs. So. But, yeah, we can blame it on you if you want. Or helping the customer figure out what they need. Yes. Which is is sometimes the biggest challenge. Yeah. So the the flip side to that is Agile, where you ship a minimum viable product. This is the theory. Yes, this is the theory. You you, uh, decide what the the bare minimum is uh, of what the client needs, and then uh, you build off of that. You you iterate in small chunks, adding functionality here and there. Well, and and you also highly involve the the customer. So the customer would see early demos. They would see early um, things that might even still be in testing. And they'd they'd see things that were like the 50% quality Dilbert was referring to. They'd see things that were known to be broken, but they could get an idea and review it and go, okay, yes, you're heading in the right direction, or you're mostly in the right direction, but really what we're trying to accomplish is this. And so you could you could course correct throughout the process. Or we never thought of that, and that's a great idea. Let's try doing this other thing, Absolutely. building yes. off of that. Yep. So it can go in some interesting places. Correct. It's more collaborative. Yeah. Is it cheaper? Hmm. Ah, well, here's the thing on that, and this is what I always find interesting because uh, there's such a short-sighted conversation sometimes around pricing. If you spend $100,000 developing something that you end up throwing away because it's not what you want or nobody will use it, or $150,000 to end up with something that people are thrilled to use, which is cheaper? That's the question, isn't it? It's, It's so hard. I mean, it's like... Okay, do you do you want this functionality? Is it worth it to develop it? Yes, we can ballpark it. You know, we might ballpark it at a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand, or a hundred to two hundred thousand. As you know, you get further in, you can kind of narrow that down as you get close to the end. But you know, in a more agile environment, you're likely to end up. Let me rephrase that. You're more likely to end up with something that you will use. But you know, there's. So much of the time, there's this huge pressure to, to put software into a box and say, okay, here's the budget, um, but it's got to have these features. Mm-hmm. And and there's no acceptance of the reality that you may not be able to get those features, A, for that price. B, if you got them, they, they might not even work because the code quality is so bad to try to hit that price. And then last, your feature set might not even be really what you truly need because you have a specification problem and if you would actually go more agile, you might end up with something that looks different from your planned feature set, but is actually what you need. So, yeah. So, getting us out of that uh, whole golden triangle model. Good. What's, what's the golden triangle? Golden triangle: good, fast, or cheap. Pick two. Gotcha. Right, and I think honestly, um, cheap is is not the the $100,000 project that, that fails completely and nobody ever uses. So if you throw that out, now you're going to have to accept that there's a certain amount of uh, value um, is going to require money. And if you're going to get the value you put you know the money into it, and if you're not willing to do that, you probably shouldn't be getting software developed. But um, you know, there's there there should be a ultimately it should be a push to hit all three 
pieces of that triangle. We want high quality. We want it to um, be as inexpensive as possible, and we want it as quickly as possible. Um, it's just an acceptance that uh, it's never going to be as cheap or high quality or fast as we, as most customers want it to be. Right. Yeah. Because once once a once a customer has the glimmer of a, a software development project kind of in their eye, they know what problem they're trying to solve. They want it yesterday. You know. Yeah. They, they want the benefit. They want they want to get it done. And then it's uh, why can't it be done tomorrow? Why can't it be done in two weeks or you know three months? And why are you telling me it's going to take six? And and even then sometimes it's a it's a guess. Yeah. So what are the what are the trappings around uh, running an agile workflow? Yeah, what what kind of things do you need in order to make that happen? Well, you need somebody like Jay. You need a Jay for sure. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I I think really. <laughs> Coming from the non-developer side of things, I think the the idea of Agile and this selling the benefits of Agile is not something you have to you do you don't have to do for developers. They're already kind of sold on the model of working in iterative chunks and collaborating together. Developers are really good at that. Um, telling people who are in my kind of role or telling the business that instead of you know a long series of interviews. To, to get your requirements fleshed out, let's let's talk for thirty minutes and get some, get some things written down, and let me get that to, to our development team today and see how far we can move that. That's kind of the mind shift because customers aren't really used to working that way, from what I've seen. It also affects the estimates and, and the cost because you're almost saying, well, we don't really know exactly what it's going to cost, right? And that's frightening, and so oh, they don't want to have a conversation. They want to instead have the conversation that says, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> And then you're forced back to waterfall. Then you're more back in that yeah. space where you're like, well, mm-hmm. we're going to have to do discovery. We're going to have to do complete discovery to really give you as accurate an estimate as we can. And even then. But you might be fooling yourself in a way. Oh, you always are. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you could spend gonna, so much you're time. You're going to miss stuff. There's no way you correct. will not miss something. To write. Well, and, and you have a scope of work and, a, you know, functional requirements. You know, documentation gets written. And it's inevitable that. Uh, there's not enough detail to CYA either side. And if you spend enough time to get enough detail to completely analyze absolutely everything, then you know, the customer is not willing to wait around for that either. So corners get cut, and then there's a lack of clarity and misunderstanding inevitable, and, and what's developed is not exactly what the customer imagined and what they interpreted those words to mean. And uh, oh, it's it's a bag of fun which puts you back in where you want to be more agile if possible so you get that feedback early i do like that part of agile where you are demoing along the way and showing what you can along the way because i've had some project experience where uh we were doing a lot of i was doing a lot of the back-end development on something and then um down down the road it's like people started getting nervous like when's this thing going to happen is it going to happen and and like but we had to do all this back end work because it was new. Right, there was a lot of plumbing. But there wasn't there wasn't anything to really show front end wise. And looking back, it would have been nice to have been doing some front end stuff, even if it was kind of just to make people feel happy, because that's all it would have really done at that point. But well, we could I've have almost, still I've shown if, them some things. Yeah, I've wondered if going over back end plumbing code and demonstrating that you know we now have this system talking to this system, and here's a. Uh, uh, you know, remote procedure call being made, and here's the response we're getting back, and we've got this working now. Um, as it's not UI, yeah. but 
But at least talk about it. At least talk about minute. it and do a little demo on, you know, the things that you're doing to verify it's working. Yeah. Do show those things, you know. Well, I've been, I mean, Jay's here and he can comment. I, I've been told in the past when I've asked to do that, that that's, it needs to all be UI for the customer. And, and I can see that point. I can see that point and I can see your point. And I, I don't know. I, mean, if the customer I, I guess maybe care. it depends on the customer, yeah. maybe to a certain point. Like some customers might have interest in it. And maybe that maybe that's where it falls. Is does does the customer have any interest in what you're talking about, or is it? Well, but in terms of managing the expectations and the feel that you know nothing's getting done, you know, yeah. at least on that level, even if it is an internal demo, um, you know, there's got to be a certain amount of acceptance that if a project requires a lot of integration or a lot of back end plumbing to be put together, that you know that's going to take time, and there's not going to be a whole lot of eye candy and. And you can, to some extent, be strategic about what what visual, visual things you roll out along with those back-end plumbing bits so that it gives a, a visual representation of progress even even if most of what's happening is on the back-end. It could be buggity. could be buggity. But, I mean... could be just putting some uh, eye candy together. I mean, honestly, not connected sometimes to anything that's, to what, show them that's that, what happens. And you're not trying to be deceptive, but no. you're trying to make sure you can show something mm-hmm. and it's not it's not about being deceptive at, at all uh and i can understand on the flip where a client gets nervous because they're not seeing anything and they feel like well they're not doing anything yeah it feels like the contractor that said i'm gonna be there this week and they they didn't show up and you're like well wh- what are you doing well they, they might have been arranging supplies and ordering things and they might be building stuff in the shop or yeah, you know, you you don't know, or they they could not be do they might not be doing anything, and they might right. be working on someone else's house. But <laughs> but I think that's what makes I think that's what uh, I think that's what makes you know probably the clients nervous. And anybody that's had projects go over um, knows that you know if, if things are they just want to know along the way what's going on and, right. and to see progress. And I also actually think if you do show things along the way, it may help a client accept when things do go over. You, you have a little more, maybe a little more leg to stand on when, when you can explain it better and say, hey, you, you remember we've done all these pieces, we've gotten here, you've seen all this along the way. Well, we got to this point and we realized that it's a little bit more involved and that's usually what happens. You know, you're not, it's not, not you might be yep. dishonest about it, it's just this thing, No, we had no idea it was going to be this complicated, this business logic. Um, we knew it was going to be a challenge, but wow, this is really taking more time. So here's our new revised. Well, and this estimate. is the, this is the fun part of estimating and so on is that in order to truly understand how complex something is, you almost have to write the code um, because what the code is uh, materialized logic. And so to get all the complexity of something worked out, you have to develop a tool or software package that deals with that complexity. And, uh, and outside of that, you're, you're theorizing. You you know you can get some idea of how complex something is, but until you're trying to go through every single scenario that something can can break or go wrong, or every scenario we need to deal with, you're not having to actually write the code. And when you get to the point of doing that, you're doing it because you're trying to write the code to address all those things. And so, you know, estimating that complexity and trying to catch all the surprises is impossible. Mm. Yeah. So. Um so, something I had here to kind of chat about uh, related to this, we kind of talked a little bit about waterfall and agile, but um, I, I recently um, 
well, we've kind of got an experience where we've got a project going on that that is driven by the timeline is driven by a nonsensical endpoint <laughs> that actually has something. It's sensical in a sense that it has it has something to do with it's a, arbitrary. A, it's arbitrary. It has nothing to do with the software development process. It was, has to do with when the client needs it. Was a numerologist involved? It, in any it, of that? it might or as well. It might as well be. Fortune teller. Here's a made up date of well, when things had to be done. There's some other random driver that that. Yeah kind of puts a constraint on when something's got to be done. So it doesn't matter what the scope of the project is, it's got to be done by yeah. this date. So yeah. so here's what's the interesting thing is, so taking a piece out of the Agile workflow, um, my suggestion was uh, if, you, if you can work along the way in an Agile method, meaning that we can make sure the entire stack works up and down. You know, the diagram that we've seen where it has mm-hmm. kind of the – that you're building the the car and you start with the skateboard and the wheels and you, it grows into the whatever you know I was right, trying to until find you get slide. to the car yeah there, we'll have to find that for the show notes but um what we because of what i was saying to the development team what we can't have is to get to the end and not and have one big chunk missing where you can't release which can happen in waterfall mm-hmm. well well we need to make sure that along the way the whole thing works so that Whenever we do have to release, based on this somewhat arbitrary timeline dictated by the client, that the release, at least the thing will function. And the worst case scenario is maybe the client's not happy with every little you know polish and spit right. shine on it. But so, so the idea then is we're going to develop a working system that's as... Um, have it working as quick as possible. As quick as possible, yeah. no matter how kludgy, ugly, clunky... Going around our elbows to get to our rear end, kind of thing ex- as yeah. it is. Build it, um, build it well, but it, but it well, just needs to function. In but the point is, is that you're, you're sacrificing ease of use. You're sacrificing, you know, code uh, elegance. You're sacrificing a number of steps in a workflow and how much has to be automated. But you're fine. You're getting something that will work yep. first, and yep. then you improve to get it the job to get the there. job done. Right, and then because you know that that. Then you can prioritize the iterations after you release of what now what is, what are the real you know pain points right you know, let's automate that, these that, steps yeah that, that needs to be addressed right and you can work on those next and and then the more I think about it I don't know if that's just not the way you should do everything, everything. well I think that is that is <laughs> so, kind of the agile idea yeah the problem so where where does that not work um, you have a uh, a monolithic project that's got 30, 40 different elements that have to ship out every month. And each one of those elements has its own set of business rules and complexity, and it's an existing process. And um, there's no software. It's all being done manually. And you need to develop a system that can um, take that take that on. Well, well you, might, you might say, okay, we're going to do one that develops a system that just handles one of those 35, 40 components. But yep. even then, it's monolithic for that one component. And if there are dependencies between components, then you're back to that's not an option. Or you so. could do one step, or you could pick one step of the process that applies to all 30 potentially. across. Yeah. A, a potentially. Now, I'm thinking of another, I know I, I have in mind what you're thinking about, but another project that, uh, that I'm thinking about, a uh, little different dynamic. It's taking a, taking a, a, a more of a manual workflow that, that humans are doing. And making it automated, making a computer do it, so that this you know this person doesn't have to do it all the time. Gotcha. Manually. So this happens. This is this is common. This is what software is written for, this right? Is what it's, it's to about. Help, yeah. help people move things along and let the computers do what computers do best, and let humans do other things like be creative and figure things out. Sure. So, 
um, at least today. I mean, in the future, we won't have to do any of that because they'll do it for us. But, mm-hmm. um, but at any rate, um, th- this is a situation where even though we can't have it all working immediately because just the way it works, kind of like what Tecto's talking about in, in a similar sense, um, the, the, the approach is um, start at the beginning and start automating from the beginning all the way through. And, and what's happening, what's cool is what's happening is even though a human is going to have to be involved in the process still, it's, it's slowly making their job easier. Right. As, as, as each release happens, right. as each release happens, there's less they got to worry about. There's, there's more systems to show errors and to help like find problems and to help resolve problems. So that's another approach. And, um, I think what we've just encountered though, is that every project is different. Right. And, and you really have to be smart about what, how do you want to manage right. each project you have, you based have on to, what you is have the dynamic? You have to understand the dynamics of each project and assemble the approach that's going to be effective for that project. And I think this is also one of the issues with, back to Dilbert and the pointy head boss dynamic, yeah. is um, from a from a simplistic, you know, isn't it just as simple as perspective um, that a manager often inevitably has because they they don't live in the technical details you know, there's a there's an urge to find a system like Agile or or whatever the case might be. Well, Scrum, you, you, you something. fall in love with a methodology, right? And, well, and but you fall in love with it because you think surely, surely there's a silver bullet. There's a silver bullet that will solve all my software yeah. development problems. And these uh, obstinate, difficult software developers, you know, just need to get them to so to get heal. In line. <laughs> yeah, but but get but, with the program. But so 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 custom software may need custom project management. Well, I and think so it needs you have intelligent, all these tools. aware. You have all these tools. So someone management. like yes. a Jay who does this for a living, does this all the time, can say, can say, hey, listen, I've got, I, I have this bag of tools. I've got Agile and Waterfall, and there's probably other things too. I mean, I, you know, there's, well, there's, there's, all there's, there's degrees in project yes. management, and there's lots more that I have no idea what I'm talking about. But, but Jay, I mean, wouldn't you say that, that you could take pieces? I mean, there's a, you, you, each project you look at, how do you, how do you think about it? Let me just, let me do this. Jay, when you start a new project and Speak, it's Jay. completely different, how, how do you approach how am I going to manage this project? Well, my approach, my approach is kind of mine and, and homegrown over years of doing this. Sure, so it's that's certainly fine. not prescriptive at all, but uh, but I'm I'm probably not a purist and someone who thinks that things have to be done in a in a Six Sigma model or a PMP certified or any of those. I, I'm not a big fan of silos. So I, I think if there are uh, tools and approaches in those kind of spaces and people with letters behind their names, if there are tools and things that they use that are useful to me, I'm going to pick those up and I'm going to use those. Uh, and if there's a, a, a certain, uh, even a spreadsheet, a coworker of mine showed me a tool the other day and I know no one really likes spreadsheets, but it was slick. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah, and yeah. I, asked, I asked him to send it to me so I could kind of pick it up and make that part of part of my work that, uh, uh, you know, software developers, you guys, you have your own kind of behind the curtain work and kind of how the sausage gets made, so to speak. Well, you know, project managers do too. And, and I know you guys don't want to see that. So with lots of spreadsheets, of course, uh, we go away and do the things we need to do to ideally make your work more structured, more consumable, easy to, to facilitate uh, and transparent from your low-level developers all the way back up to the the customer and the business who doesn't want to ever see code on a screen or anything. They just want to see their software work. Uh, so long story short, I, I guess my answer would be use use the tools that, that fit not just the job uh, of developing the software, but use the tools that fit the team uh, and use the 
tools or the reporting methods that match what the customer is expecting because at the end of the day they're paying the bill. So so maybe you know maybe pick tools that you can use consistently throughout projects, but maybe have some tools that you you pick and choose depending on the type of project and. You know, that's something as, as a PM or a BA, you can decide what makes sense along sure. the way. Sure, sure. Well, some of these things, though, aren't even necessarily things that a, a PM can decide. For instance, you know, the, the right m- method to attack um, a given project may require collaboration between development and project management and the customer to kind of work through the dynamics of that project and what's what's achievable in a short period of time that would make a difference um, and you know, can we break this down again, more of the agile approach? Can we break this down into achievable iterative chunks and where do we hit obstacles that, you know, we're going to end up more waterfall because these things are so tightly integrated that we now have a monolithic chunk of code that's got to be written, um, in order to, to kind of go to the next level. And there are no easy answers on any given project. Uh, some, some of them will force you into a highly waterfall environment just because of how, tightly integrated all the components are and you can't you know can't break it out easily well cool um believe it or not this has flown i was just slacking with jay uh and and noticed that uh it this this one flew by so we're we're at about the end of time today uh i don't know if anybody had last comments but i have a suggestion i have one too there okay do you go you go then let's let's keep sitting in future meetings this went really well I like it. Yeah. All right. I like it. Works um, for me. The sitting works for me. Uh, we'll, we'll do this till we get the table fixed and then we'll see. But this is comfy, really comfy. Um, what do you guys think about next week? Because uh, one important aspect of a software development workflow is the meeting dynamic and oh, when, yeah. when meetings are important, how do you have a meeting? What do y'all think about that? And and how small you can make them. How small you can make them, but how you make them valuable. Yes. Um, so does that well, sound I, like a... Maybe a, um, not just purely focused on meetings, but maybe more of a development cadence um, podcast. Because meetings tend to come into the, the context of sprints, and they come into the context of planning deploys, and and kind of, you know, what are the what are the different meetings that you have? And it's, that's a cadence that you end up with around developing. Yeah. No, that, no, that's 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 perfect. Um Cool. Well, listen, uh, we'll uh, see everybody next week, and we will talk about meetings and and how they apply in software development workflows. Cool. Great. (laughs) That was – I was not prepared for that. That was a little too much. (laughs) Yes. A little little much there. Good good for them both. Yeah. Good for both of them. You're the dog. Mm Mm-hmm.